Hi, everybody. This is John with Out of Character. It's been a while since we did a podcast. Uh, I've been really busy getting things together for our first charity stream. Um, for those who don't know, on February 9th, we're going to be doing a stream to Twitch. Uh, we're playing Twilight Imperium. We're going to be playing for most of the day. Uh, it's to benefit charity. Uh, I'm going to be playing. Jason will be playing. Tina, Jessica, and our friend Rob are all going to be playing. For those who aren't familiar with Twilight Imperium, you picked a really good podcast to listen to because that's what I'm going to be talking about today. So a while back, Sebastian, who was uh, one of our players on the podcast before he relocated, uh, he bought me Twilight Imperium, and I was really excited because it's a game that I had wanted for years and years. Uh, we played it one time, and basically it sat on my shelf for mm, about a year before I managed to get it on the table again. So I did record a podcast about it before we played that initial game, that podcast I'd listened to, and it was just basically, and I did express this when I recorded it, initial thoughts about the game, because the game does have a lot of stuff to it. Uh, for those who've never seen a Twilight Imperium game, the box is huge. It's it's the biggest game box. Uh, there's a few boxes I can think of that might be a little bit bigger, like Scythe is pretty similar in size, but... There's, there's not too many that can go toe-to-toe with Twilight Imperium as far as just sheer weight and size. Uh, when you open up a box, you see, like, there's, like, a million little spaceships and cards and tiles for the planets and all kinds of stuff. The really amazing thing is there's two expansions that add even more stuff. Twilight Imperium is a big, grandiose idea of a game that is done really, really well. Basically, you are playing out a space opera where you and the other players take on the the roles of various races in this galaxy that has kind of fallen into disarray as the once powerful overlords were overthrown, and now everyone's looking to see who's going to be the new dominant species in the galaxy. You can do that through military conquest, you know, building huge fleets and armies and just launching wars. You can do it through mastery of technology that allows you to get around and do things better and faster and more efficiently. You can try to maneuver and get, uh, you know, political agendas pushed through that help you. You can just try to control trade and build up resources that allow you to kind of influence things until such time as you see the right moment to make your move. Um, the races are all very different. You have everything from humans, which is the Federation of Saul, and the Ixchak Kingdom, who basically they're giant space turtles who are really good at diplomacy, and uh, to uh, the Barony of Letnev, who are these blues. They kind of look like the Chiss dudes from um, Star Wars. Uh, they're basically, they're that race that is kind of creepy. They come from a very desolate world, and they want to conquer everything. Um, and you have, like, the the Yasarl tribes, who are these little creepy goblin, golem-looking spies. Uh, you also have, like, other races. I'm just giving you a quick couple of examples. Um, so, that said, the game is always going to be a little bit different. And after playing it, I feel like there are a couple of things I wanted to come back to on it and just go through and kind of suggest. So Twilight Imperium is definitely a game that it's, it's a hundred dollars for the, for the, the, the core game itself. You may be able to find it for a better price if you're buying like a used copy or you buy it online. But I would say a hundred dollars is a, 75 to a hundred dollars is about what you can expect to pay. Don't, don't get gouged. If someone's like, Oh, I want $200. Just no, go find it somewhere else. 
Um, it came out from Fantasy Flight. This is, the one I have is the third edition. There are multiple editions and iterations that have been done through the years. It's a really, really fun game, but it's the kind of game that really does require a lot of prep time. What I mean when I, what I mean by that though is like, yes, setting everything up does take a while because as I said, there are a lot of bits and bobs to this game. Um, but just playing the game. Our first game, we, we got together and it was five of us playing that day. No, wait. It was six of us playing the first time and none of us had ever played before. I had, I had read the rule book cover to cover. I had watched the online videos. I, I was prepared to try to guide everyone through this game. And it took, we started at 11 and we ended at 11 and that was it. We, it, we took us 12 hours to finish the game. It, we all had fun. We all enjoyed it. We all said like, we want to play this again, but we didn't for like a year. And part of the reason is because playing a game that's that long is definitely like, it's exhausting. It, you know, it's that you can, this is, you can easily see why this is a game that people devote entire weekends to. So if you've got your copy of Twilight Imperium and you're really excited and you want to play it, forewarn the other players, this is not board game night. This is not come and bring a couple of other things and we'll play a bunch of stuff unless you're, you know, doing a gaming weekend. This is probably the only thing you're going to get on the game board and or get on the table and get to play that that day. And it's also just kind of stinks if someone shows up and has, you know, stuff happens, uh, but, you know, if someone shows up and wants to leave really early, then that's going to stink because then you have to kind of, like, rearrange the board. Um, and it really does shift the whole dynamic because the setup of the game is built around everyone kind of strategizing. So if one person just, like, drops out very rapidly, then it shifts the whole dynamic of power on the board, on the game. When I did my first video, I said, so one of the things you do in this game is you're picking objectives. You're picking strategies each turn. These are things like warfare, uh, diplomacy, uh, logistics. They, they all have different mechanics that let you do different things. Warfare lets you just basically move more quickly so you can attack more if you want to. Uh, there's technology that lets you, you know, do exactly what you would think. You, you get more technology that, like, maybe you want technology to make your ships faster. Or you want technology to let your planetary defenses fire into neighboring systems to keep the bad guys from even coming anywhere near anything you want. Or you want your starfighters to be better or any of that stuff. One of those is called Imperial. What Imperial does is it lets you have a victory point. The, so the, the objective, the way you basically conquer the galaxy, is you get 10 victory points. There are versions of the game where you play for more victory points. You'll get to that point after you've played the first few games, but uh, 10 victory points is a good starting a starting place. I think in my original podcast about the game, I said, like, picking Imperial would paint a huge target on you and make you, like, kind of, like, everyone would be out to, like, take you down very quickly because now you've scored two victory points and you're you're jumping ahead. And my players and I, we were discussing that, and we've played a few more games now, and I was wrong. And actually, I, I think I made the game harder than it needed to be with that thought. Here's the thing. Two victory points is great. It's not going to win you the game by itself. Um, realistically, no player should be getting the Imperial card multiple times uh, on a regular basis. When we started playing with Rob... And we, we've played two games in, in three weeks to kind of like get the rules in our head, get everything straight and just kind of be ready to go. 
he has played this game regularly and a lot more than any of us. And, um, you know, he, sh- he kind of showed us the Imperial thing is great and it's useful, but it's not broken. It's not, you know, the most powerful thing in the world. Now, Rob's won both of those games. The reason being, while we're all picking other strategies and building up these huge fleets, he's just slowly working his way up to winning. Um, and I don't want to give you the impression that Rob's like kicking our butts at the game or anything. He's, you know, uh, he's always, he, Rob's a great guy. And, uh, you'll, you'll hopefully, if you watch our, our video for the our Twitch stream, you'll, you'll get to see that. But don't feel like, oh, if I take Imperial, everyone's going to jump on me. They might. They, they very well might see that you, it depends on your group, of course. Um, our game, basically, we built these huge fleets to the point where people are running out of ships. And that was our first game and most of our second game. And it's just kind of like, you, if you're, no one's picking Imperial, it really does slow, like, slow an already long and deeply complex game even more so. So if you're like, if you see Imperial sitting there and you're like, oh, I'm worried that I'm going to break the game or be in trouble or, you know, everyone's going to be like jumping on me and trying to take me out. Yes, there's always the chance that someone's going to see you get those two victory points and be like, well, I got to take him out. He's got to go. Um, there's the objectives that are going to be scoring you a lot of points. There's there's action cards in the game that'll score you victory points. Like, uh, I got a victory point because uh, in one of the battles I had with Rob, he had his flagship in there. And the flagship are these big, like, they're like the, the Enterprise versions of... Uh, you know, they're basically the enterprises of the Twilight Imperium universe. And if you blow up, you get a victory point if you play this card. So I did that and I got a victory point. Yay for me. I still lost by like two points. So that was thing one. Don't be afraid to take Imperial. And definitely, you know, the game does take a lot of prep time. So just be aware of it if you're coming in and you're thinking like, this is my first time playing Twilight Imperium or arranging it at my house, you know, make sure that it's like, you're letting everyone know this is going to be a fairly long game. We're going to be here for a few hours at minimum. Um, the rule I heard was like an hour for each player that you have. I think that's for like, if you're playing the game and everyone knows exactly what they're doing and you have no downtime or table talk or anything going on, maybe. Um, I, I don't, I would say, I would say probably do like two hours plus an hour for each player for the first. That that would probably be my baseline. Um, you can play with up to eight players. I, I the level of insanity that would come with the eight player game of Twilight Imperium. I can only imagine. Um, you would need to buy one of the expansions because that comes with more stuff to play all of the uh, all the all the parts necessary for an eight player game. So keep that in mind. It does allow you to play with six people from the core box. But there's the option if you have a really big group and you're into and you have enough table space because you're going to need a huge table to accommodate that, or do you you know play on the floor? I don't know. One of the other things I talked about was the races. Um, what's supposed to happen in a game of Twilight Imperium is the players are supposed to be randomly assigned a race. I don't like that, and I said this in the initial podcast that I did about Twilight Imperium, and I still don't like it. So. I've heard a lot of different ways to deal with that. Some people are like, well, if you pick and you don't like it, you can put it back in the pile and you can swap from among the races that weren't chosen. What I've done is I just let people pick. I'm just like, you know, pick a race that you like. Because if you're going to be playing something for like six or seven hours, potentially, 
maybe you only play this game once a year. I don't want someone to be like, well, I got stuck with this race that I really don't like. I- I'm not in favor of that, and it's just not my style. But that's that's what we do in my house, so do do what you feel is right. I play with a group that really does role-play these races, so if they get stuck with something, they're like, I don't want to play that. Uh, maybe if you've been playing for a long time and you're just like, no, you always play that race. We're doing random races this time because you always win and you always play that race. We're doing something else. Then maybe bring in a randomization or, you know, a, a trade or something. Or just say, okay, Dave, you can't play the Barony of Lutnev anymore. You always beat us. As far as, like, the, uh, the like, tips to, to getting started, I think, like, most of the game, when you open up that box, it looks so complex. You think it's, like, this... All, most Fantasy Flight games are like that, though. Like, any Fantasy Flight game I've ever bought, except for the Game of Thrones Hand of the King game, you open it up, and it's like, oh my god, there's bits, and there's multiple rule books, and there's stuff everywhere. What am I going to do? Why did I do this? Why did I buy this game? And then you play it a few times, and you, you start to get a hang of it, and then you probably go play something less complex that's easier to have fun with, which is why I think board games are kind of so popular now. You have those two extreme levels. Uh, you have really, really simple games that you can remember the rules from the last time you played, get on the table very often, and have a lot of fun with. And then you have the deeper, more complex stuff that, you know, someone's got the rule book out and they're ready to go, or you have a, someone who's just really good at remembering all the rules. So yeah, I mean, it is definitely a very complicated game, um, and that first time that you're you're jumping into it, a lot of the stuff you, you'll pick up. The first couple, the first, I would say, two or three turns, everyone's kind of like, I'm just moving around and doing and, and getting things and collecting stuff. Um, I would say the first time you play, don't use any of the extra options. Here's why I say that. In just in the core book, there's a ton of stuff. There's like rules for having like leaders, like, uh, there's stuff for random like, encounters in space and different things that can happen. And if you bought all the expansions, there's, there's tons of other stuff. Just do the core game to start. Just to, get a feel for it and understand the most basic concept of it. You can always add stuff to the game, and that's fine. There's a lot of cool things to be added. Um, the things that I've tried and liked, we've liked, we like the flagships because they're just bigger ships, so it's not really complicated. They just, what's this ship do? Oh, it repairs itself at the end of each round. Great. This ship gives you bonuses. This ship can carry people. Um, you know, handy stuff. Uh, then you have things like leaders that, like, give your ships and ground forces and different units advantages. Um, but yeah. The the most complicated part of the game, I would say, realistically, in a game that is definitely very nuanced, is combat. Combat is that thing that is going to take a while. Um, as Tina said, one of our game, as Tina said during one of our games, it's the part of the game that she likes the least because it does take a while. Basically, you have two, you, you're going to have like fleets firing on each other. And sometimes it's a quick little skirmish of like, you know, okay, I had three ships, you had five ships, and it was over in one round. Sometimes you're going to have giant fleets, uh, you know, cruising into Mechatol Rex at the center of the galaxy to determine who's going to win this game. And it takes a bit. Um, if you're, that's the part that I would say spend a little extra time looking at it. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of like, oh wait, 
Uh, I have planetary defense systems. They get to fire, and I have destroyers. They get a uh, an anti fighter barrage. Uh, I have uh, my you know my war sun is here. Oh, I have the you know, and like there's all the the technology and stuff that you've been getting, and special race cards and special action cards and stuff. So just be aware, combat is going to be the part of the game that is probably going to be the slowest. Now, I know a lot of games that's, you know, when when people get into the fights, that's the thing you're looking for. It's like, okay, there's this is what we're waiting for, the big fight. The combat is fine. It works. Um, when it happens, it does feel grand, and, you know, you do feel like you're commanding an army or a fleet or, you know, some big military action or trying to fight one off. Um, and it, every encounter does feel like it, it matters, or the ones in our game have. I can't speak to every game, obviously. But... The thing is, in this game, uh, in our first game, I was playing the Mentok Coalition, who are basically space pirates. And uh, Tina was playing the Emirates of Hakan, who are space lion traders, basically. And we were sitting next to each other. Our system, our borders were right, you know, side by side. And there were many, many opportunities that I could have swept in and attacked her and tried to, like, take her out. And I never chose to do so because I looked at like what my objectives were, and I looked at the the what what was going on between our two species, and I was just like, eh, there there's there's more to be lost than there is to be gained by attacking her. In some games, people just seem to want to attack somebody. Sometimes it's like, well, I can't really do anything. I'll attack Dave. I'll attack Frank. I'll attack Sal- Sally. Why? I mean, that's what I'm saying. If you're playing this game and you're attacking someone just because you think you need to, you don't. You, you never, if you're going to attack someone, you should have a reason for doing it. Whether it's you want that planet, or they're pushing in on your borders, or you think that they're getting too far ahead, or it's one of your objectives, and you're like, oh, I need to take a home system from someone. Any of those reasons are fine. Um, you just need to have one. It's not a game to just attack someone for the sake of, well, I have a command counter, I might as well attack someone. Why not? Um... It, it's not that kind of game. Um, there are things you can do to help with it. Uh, there's there's tons of videos online for tutorials on how to run the combat. Um, Fantasy Flight made these cool little plastic... Um, I, they're like little raised tables that you can put your ships on and they fit over the tiles that make up your galaxy. So you can pick them up and move your fleet as one thing uh, rather than having to pick up all your little individual ships and move them. Um, I would say definitely have something to count hits so you know how many of your ships are being destroyed during combat, uh, whether you want to use bennies, pennies, uh, you know, you have one of an abacus, uh, you want to use a d20, something. Um, be patient. Don't try to rush through everything. Don't get upset if you forgot, oh, I had this card, I should have used it. Believe me. Every game I've played, and I'm sure every game most people have played, someone forgot, oh, I should have been doing this this whole time. There's a lot of moving parts in this game, and it, it's easy to lose track of something. Um, I'm trying to think of other things that come up a lot. So, we talked about combat, we talked about like the complexity, we talked about... I would say like one of the things that I do think Twilight Imperium really does benefit from is narrative. There's a story being told here, and every time you play this game, the story's a little bit different. Uh, you know, and everyone's playing 
you know, every, you know, yes, the, you have the same races more or less sitting down to play the game each time with, you know, the obvious exception of, well, this race got swapped out for that one. But um, in our second game, Jessica played the Emirates of Akan, which had been my race the previous time. And she played them very differently than I did, which is great because it was fun to see someone else play them. Every that's the thing that I think brings people back to Twilight Imperium is it has this great narrative and story for a game that's like here it is you know there there's you don't have to role play it but I feel like if you don't get into the the spirit of the game it's just you know it, it really does lose something and this is a game that's been going on for many many years and people keep coming back to it and people who love it, absolutely adore it. They, they want to play it on a regular basis. I, you know, when I put out the call of saying I was looking for a few more players, I got a lot of interest from people I know who were like, I love Toyland Premium, I really want to play. Um, I would say if you're, if you, if you're looking online or you're, you're at your local game store and you see Twilight Imperium and it's like, eh, it's expensive, it's not something that's going to go on the table very much... Realistically, it's probably not something that you're going to get on the table even once a month. Um, even if you have a regular game night each week, I, I'd be surprised if you know people want to play it every month. Maybe they do. It, it depends on the, the you know gaming stamina is a thing. <laughs> Some people just don't have it in them for that long, long, long game. Um, I but you know give it a chance and see if you like it. If you're into games with a lot of replay value and strategy and lore, this is definitely a great game. Um, also, I do think there are there's a lot of room for like house rules and things, like uh, you know, if you look into the rules and you're like, we don't, we don't want to do that or that doesn't work, don't be afraid to go in and kind of like tweak things to make them work for your group. Uh, Fantasy Flight also makes another game called uh, the Game of Thrones board game, which is a very different game, but similar in that it's a game about taking over vast amounts of territory with military units in one way, shape, or another. Um, in that case, it's Westeros. And that game is very, very different, but they're both made by the same company. And one thing I do love about that game is it has a timer. Basically, that game is going to take place over a set number of rounds, and at the end of those rounds, there's a winner. The end. If you wanted to sit down and say, we have six hours to play, that's what we've got, and at the end of six hours, that's who wins. You can do that. Uh, our third game, where it was just me, Jason, and Rob, uh, Jason was, you know, had to leave early because he was going to do something, uh, and we, we all sat down and we said, I'm going to play as aggressively as I can, and we all agreed on that. So we ended up with the Sardark Nor, who are insect people, who I played, which I really like them. People say they're the hardest race to play in some instances. I had a lot of fun. I didn't feel that way. Um, but, you know. Uh, Jason played the Barony of Letnev. And Rob played... Who'd Rob play? Rob played the Universities of Jolnar. Uh, which was an interesting challenge when they have a disadvantage to spate to all combat. So we finished in four hours, give or take, um, and it was a lot of fun. 
Rob ended up winning that game, barely. I was right behind him by a couple points. And um, if you're going to try to play the game that way, where it's like, you know, we're going to play with a time limit, it does lead to, like, rapid expansion, and everyone like, okay, I'm getting, you know... St- things start happening very, very quickly. Uh, when you when you just sit down to play, no one really feels a rush. There's no sense of urgency. It's just kind of like this slow expansion through the galaxy. Um, but yeah, as far as the expansion stuff goes, um, the other races that are introduced are fun. You have the Ghosts of Krius, who are basically like wormhole aliens from Deep Space Nine. Their strength and their weaknesses all revolve around the being able to use and control wormholes. Um, if wormholes don't come up in your game, then they kind of stink. That's pretty much all they got. Um, there's, like, the Brotherhood of Sar, who are these wolf dudes with, like, moving space stations. Uh, there's the Arborek, who are plant people that basically, like, control people's brains. Those are just some examples. There's other, um, there's the Embers of Muwat, who basically can, like, blow up you know, make suns go supernova, and they start with war suns. There's a ton of new races that get added in that can do cool stuff. Uh, there's uh, one expansion that comes with more units. Uh, you have mechanized units, which are basically like big tanks and flagships and mercenaries and uh, more stuff for doing, like, diplomats. Uh, you have a campaign mode, which is fun to experiment with if you're like, oh, we want a, an objective... So it's a little bit different than the rest of the game, but it's worth looking at if that's something you think maybe you guys want to try out. One player basically plays the Lazix and has a huge advantage, and the other players try to kick him in the teeth. Um, you have... Uh, there's the other... The, the other expansion has um, the stuff for playing with more players. Uh, you have racial technologies that come in, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I, don't, I only have the one expansion. I don't have the other one. But... I would say, oh, Distant Suns. So here's Distant Suns. This is the last thing I want to talk about. So after you play your first game and you have a grasp of the rules, try Distant Suns. It's really, really fun. Because basically, when you're not playing with it, you be, you go to, you go, empty space is just, you go to empty space, there's nothing there, you keep going. In when you're playing with Distant Suns, you go into empty space and something happens. There's a little token put on it space down. You don't know what it is. It could be anything from you find a derelict ship and repair it, and it's like, oh, I get an extra ship. Great. To that system goes supernova, and everything in it is destroyed. It really does drive people's strategy. It's like, I don't want to cruise my whole fleet into that system. I'm going to send maybe a ship, (laughs) or just what I can afford to send. Planets, like you'll land on the planets, and it's like you find lost technology, or you find angry citizens of, you know, the population who live here who drive you off, or you find, um, you know, space pirates if you're still in space, any of that stuff. That is by far one of the things that I think adding that random element is really, really interesting. Um, and it's entertaining. Yeah, and some people aren't going to like that randomization. They, they want just the solid strategy, but I think it's fun. So if you don't like it, don't add it. I'll have... Probably, I keep thinking about doing, like, individual things about Twilight Imperium races, but I don't know if people would like that. I haven't played all of them. I've only played to this date. I've played the Mentok Coalition once. I have played um, the Nalu Collective, who are space snake mermaid people. And uh, I played the Sardark Noor. Uh, I'm not going to tell you guys who I'm going to play in our stream. So, if you like 
uh, Twilight Imperium, or you're just curious to see how bad our first stream will be, we are playing for charity. There's information about it. I'm going to post it in the description for this episode of the podcast, so if people want to check it out, you can check it out. As I said, it is February 9th. Um, we're... We're going to try to get started early, so we're probably going to start around 1 p.m., I know, Eastern Standard Time. I know that's not really early, but getting everyone together and stuff by the time we get the game set up and get rolling, um, you know. So, we will be on Twitch, uh, barring if technical issues occur, I'll just record it as a video and we'll upload a video. But yeah, so, thanks everybody, I'm sorry that the podcast has been off for a bit, uh, I was basically getting things together for this, and basically, you know, just getting things organized takes a lot of time. So I appreciate your patience. We'll have more stuff for you soon. Until next time, everybody, this is John Without a Character saying thanks for listening. Play more games and be safe. Bye!